welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hello and welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm Colin Hung, and today I'm about to sit down with Dr. Nala Panini. And we're about to talk about how he has to be so resourceful given where he works for an FQHC. Dr. Nalapani, welcome to the program. Thank you uh, for having me, Colin. Yeah, it's really great to have you. I'm excited to sit down with you because I love talking to FQHCs because you have to be so resourceful, so careful with your resources, yes, and I'm excited to dive into that mm -hmm. with you. But before we get there, maybe can you tell me a little bit more about your organization, mm -hmm. Care STL? Yeah, so Care STL Health, um, is almost uh, 60 years uh, um, in existence and the roots of the organization is in civil rights movement. Okay. So, and then obviously as part of the civil rights movement, you know, there's also immediate recognition of the importance of recognizing the uh, healthcare disparities and the social determinants of health. Okay. So that's how the organization has started and ever since in uh, uh, existence and in uh, initial uh, conception, we have always had uh, been in the forefront in the especially North St. Louis region to uh, you know do the best we can to try to help the most needy patients, patients who are underserved, uh, who has no insurance, and unfortunately also sometimes end up being very sick. So uh, the mission of the organization is take care of the poor and sick people, and regardless of their ability to pay, regardless of their uh, insurance. And uh, um, that's one of the things you also see uh, where the patients who we serve mm -hmm. Uh, see us as part of the community. We are located literally embedded in the community and in the re recent uh, um, uh, uh, survey that they did on the patient satisfaction, we got 95%. Uh, wow. And this is not by us, it is by healthcare plans who did a survey independent of us. That is uh, the origin of the organization. And uh, our current CEO, Ms. Angela Claiborne, uh, who hired me as the chief medical officer, she has this uh, grand vision to make sure we build a health center that is the uh, best in the state of Missouri. And when she hired me, um, she gave me the task. And so she is my mentor and truly a great inspiration for me for all the work we do at uh, KSTL Health. And see, she told me to basically go ahead and bring the best change. Uh, that's how um, uh, we are in existence and that's what we are doing as a work today. What kind of uh, services do you provide to those patients in your communities? Uh, so we provide all the uh, primary care services a HRSA designates uh, for FQSCs to serve. So we provide adult medicine, we provide pediatrics, we provide uh, women's health, mm -hmm. and including uh, labor and deliveries. And we also provide podiatric services and behavioral health services. We also provide optometry services and chiropractic services. And uh, so, uh, and then we are also always looking to see how to expand. And you know, we are recently in the process of trying to build a new health center. And in this new health center, we're also trying to have a wellness campus mm. because we want to provide a comprehensive healthcare delivery, um, not just only 
medications, lab tests, but also uh, uh, health program, diet, nutrition, exercise as part of the uh, healthcare uh, delivery. As an FQHC, and especially one based in St. Louis, uh, you've seen, you're at the forefront of yes, the challenge of access to care. Yes, sir, um, very much so. So how, how have you addressed or tried to address this problem? What are, you, what are some of the things that you're doing to, to improve access in your, in your region? Sure, it's a very good question. Um, so obviously, the important thing in healthcare, no matter where you are in the world, is being accessible to healthcare. Mm -hmm. Because even if you have a good plan to deliver the healthcare, if you're not accessible, then you're not going to be able to deliver anything. So, so one of the things what we have done is we have been in the community. We built our health centers. Uh, uh, in the, we had a recent uh, new health center also we expanded into the North County. So pretty much what we did is we created our locations and put them in the place where the people are. Mm. And one of the things as FQSC we are required to do is we are required to submit yearly uh, data called UDS data. In the UDS data, it tells us where the patients are coming from. So we found out one third of our patients are coming from the North County. So then what we did is we opened a location in the North County. So that's one way of actually physically uh, giving an increased access to the patients. And the other way, what you can also do is, you know, uh, navigating the healthcare infrastructure is also not that easy. So one of the things we have been doing uh, uh, yeah, almost some, for some years now is same-day walk-in patients. So typically, uh, generally what you do in a healthcare is, you know, you have a scheduling system, you have an appointment system, you go there. But let's say, for example, you have a problem right now. You know, um, you have a rash that is bothering you now, or it could be even something more significant, you know. So we had created and built into the template something called uh, walk-in appointments or same-day appointments. So each provider would have something on average anywhere between six to eight. Mm -hmm. So uh, nobody would be turned away if they actually call in or actually uh, come into the health center. And and. You said there a template. Uh, mm -hmm. This was done in your EHR? That yes, you sir. In templates? the electronic health records, uh, you know, um, you can actually design the template to having a slot based on uh, the specialty. And, and uh, one other specialty we also do a lot, uh, I forgot to mention, is psychiatric services. Okay. <clears throat> in addition to the behavioral health services, behavioral health is, you know, very closely linked to, but, you know, psychiatric MD service also we have. So the, the reason I brought that up is their templates are different. Mm -hmm. You know, a psychiatrist uh, usually has a uh, much longer time than a regular primary care, like in a... Uh, adult medicine or even pediatrics. So in the template when you're building in, you can actually leave some slots open for walk-in slots. And so we also look back at the no-show rate and also how much need is there, how much demand is there. And we have triage areas where they come in immediately and based on what their complaint is, would be rerouted to uh, a respective department. If it's a kid who needs a pediatrician, immediately go to the pediatrics. And then uh, if it's adult medicine, it goes to the adult medicine doctor. As an FQHC, you deal with sort of lots of different types of patients, lots of different acuities of patients, mm -hmm. and, and it sounds like you're using your system to make sure you're rerouting people to the right place. You have to be yes, very sir. adaptable. Yes, sir. The the platform, uh, you're on eClinical Works. Yes, sir, we do. Uh, how, how have you morphed or, or how have you adapted the program mm -hmm. to adapt with you? Sure. So <clears throat> when I first uh, became the uh, chief medical officer and, and uh, under the guidance that my uh, CEO, Ms. Angela Craven, gave me, is to bring the best change, as I was telling you earlier. And so to me, 
to provide the best healthcare, what you need is you need the tools, technology, and the skills. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then um, the uh, skills is what the providers, doctors, nurse practitioners, they bring to the table. And technology is also very important. So we had upgraded all our uh, radiology equipment. We now have a uh, hologic 3D mammography. We have a brand new x-ray department and we also have brand new ultrasound. And also we updated all the lab equipment. We have a brand new CBC machine called Sysmex and we have a, a Linity which kind of does both the immunochemistry and also uh, we also have the Fenian point of care uh, A1Cs. And in the, in, the, in the pharmacy, we also uh, bought like, you know, um, robotic arms so that it can do automatic filling so that we can do faster prescriptions, prescriptions. quicker. And the other thing, in addition to the technology I said, is the tools. And the most important tool in healthcare is electronic health records. So that's when uh, my boss gave me the guidance and shared with me that in the past, before I came on board, uh, they had a conversation with the eClinical Works. And, uh, and of course, COVID hit and things like that. So she pointed me in the right direction. And from then onwards, I uh, was in touch with the eClinical Works. And then after that, we adapted eClinical Works as our electronic health records. And uh, eClinical Works has a lot in built-in user-friendly uh, um, uh, uh, tools that we use, mm -hmm. uh, whether it is uh, what we call a chronic care module or whether it is, uh, you know, um, scheduling system you just mentioned. And uh, uh, I just attended the conference and I'm so excited to see that there is even this new AI-enabled tool where it can actually uh, uh, not only tell you what the no-show rate is, but also predict where the no-show rate is going to be. So as you already mentioned, the first thing you mentioned was the resourcefulness of FKCs. And, and the federally qualified centers, you know, as you have said, is always short on resources and maximizing the resource is very important. So um, uh, no-show rate uh, does significant impact, not only the uh, just uh, um, uh, revenue cycle, but also the uh, workflows. Right. So let's say, for example, you have three patients showing up in one time versus nobody showing up in the afternoon. So then we're not utilizing evenly. So they might get burnt out in the morning and then in the afternoon, maybe may not have any patients. So with this uh, new uh, Helio uh, app that we're trying to do, we can stay in contact with the uh, uh, patients right. and then also we can even probably see when best to and identify the high risk patients or uh, moderate risk and low risk patient with a no-show rate and then uh, we can probably try to reach out to them more or use an extra means to, right. uh, to bring them make, back it e in. Make, make it easy for them to access the healthcare. Yeah, like that was a pretty exciting uh, feature that they introduced where they were talking mm -hmm. about, um, I guess, um, uh, basically stratifying Strat the, yeah, the risk, the risk stratifying, of, yeah. of patients who might not show may up. May not show up, yes. And then the ones who are most at risk, you can apply additional uh, uh, means to right. try and encourage them to come in more. Correct. Maybe a phone call or two, mm -hmm. um, an extra text message or something. Yes, and and we heard from one organization who was even adding a link to allow them to reschedule because maybe right. they just can't come. Correct. But that allows you to yeah. fill that slot with someone else. Yes. Right? Or at least plan around it to make better use of your resources. Right. Which is also give that data to the outreach department. So, you know, outreach departments go and knock the doors. You know, mm -hmm. then they have uh, a high yield, high impact 
of where is that they need to go rather than uh, using the data that uh, is not high risk stratified versus you know high risk uh, high risk stratified data you can go after the high risk stratified and say you know that will make a true difference you know and as you already mentioned you know patients are also sometimes in a difficulty probably not being able to access the health center sometimes right. it could be as simple as transportation exactly so this is where the outreach department can reach out to them and give them you know a transportation vouchers or various different other means to be able to help them and even uh, uh, the other thing uh, we are uh, constantly talking about is the mobile access, mobile clinics. You know, uh, clinic on the wheels and, you know, uh, our dental department is still doing something. And I forgot to mention one of the big uh, major division we also have is dental services. And, you know, and uh, we also have the uh, big, very big uh, dental department as well. Right. So yeah. with the power of the data that you're collecting with the now the power of AI, mm -hmm. you can better meet the patients where they are, whether yes. that's through mobile or whether it's rescheduling mm -hmm. or like you said, with a transportation voucher, mm -hmm. because maybe that was the reason why they haven't responded or not able to come that's in. That's correct. So, right. I mean, most of the time, what we truly see that's impacting the patient's healthcare is that their inability to access the healthcare. And I'm so glad you had brought that as a first question is that that is so important as per in the federally qualified health center. And there's a lot of data that shows that, you know, with not having good access to healthcare, your uh, quality metrics, your blood pressure, sugars, all will be not at the right uh, you know, uh, parameter where it should be. So um, this data will help us to not only identify that the high-risk patient, also where they are. So for example, if there is a, a, a data analysis that showed that in this particular zip code, these patients are having difficulty to access, we probably should do something different to reach out to that patients or you know, maybe arrange a transportation system for the patients. So we can always come with new innovative ways of trying to meet the needs and demands of the patients. I want to ask you this question because FQHCs have been on the front line of social determinants of health even yes, before sir. it was called social determinants yes, of health. Sir. Yes, sir. Uh, and so when, when we look at that term now, it's very large, it's very nebulous, and mm -hmm. it, it's a massive problem. Mm -hmm. As an FQHC, as a practicing, uh, having practiced in this world for a little bit, mm -hmm. where would you recommend that someone start with SDOH, how could they, where, where is a, an, a place where they can actually make a meaningful difference? Sure, with that? that's a very good question. It's a huge passion of mine too. Um, one of the important thing is the crux of the healthcare delivery is always in the doctor-patient relationship. And earning the trust of the patient, being honest with them, and explaining to them in plain, simple terms. And of course, you know, um, uh, with various uh, past uh, um, experiences the patient had, there is a reason why they're hesitant. Mm -hmm. And so if we actually uh, earn the trust of the patient and uh, by being open, transparent, and, and most importantly, uh, giving them the control. And, and one of the things I do is for all my patients who I see for the very first time, I have a PowerPoint presentation for them. And in that, uh, uh, the two foundation pillars of healthcare delivery is evidence-based medicine and patient-centered model. So I have this uh, picture, uh, pictorial um, thing where it's like where a patient is in a middle and is our center of your universe. Mm -hmm. And then we have all these satellites around the doctor, the nurse, the behavioral health and the family friends and then also the pharmacy lab so, and the radiology. So all these multidisciplinary approach with one single goal of trying to figure out what is in the best interest of the patient and let them actually make the decision. So one of the things you often hear my patients uh, will tell, um, you know, is that I tell them that this is like you're a driver, I'm your navigator. And you always stay in control which direction we go, 
how fast we go, whether we go or not. I'm going to be, always be your advocate. And whether you take a decision that, you know, we agree with the decision, or even if you want a second opinion, I'll arrange that for you. So by being a huge patient advocate and doing health education, health promotion, that's a big piece of things. My first consultations usually are sometimes 60 minutes or even longer. And explain to them exactly why we're doing, what we're doing, what are the risks, benefits, alternatives, and complications with treatment, without treatment. I think when you are so open, transparent, I mean, if you, they may not be opening up to you on the very first time, but without us building those bridges with the patients, you know, um, I think it's very, very difficult to achieve that objective. But we have to be uh, always uh, transparent, honest, and be consistent, what you're saying. So then, then they will ask you more questions. And then once you start explaining to them why, and sometimes they'll bring an extra family member, and then you explain to the family members, and then, you know, but but I think without the trust, it is very difficult to achieve good uh, healthcare outcomes. You know, the clinical outcomes are very much dependent on not just the prescriptions you write, how much the patient understands and how much they're willing to take those medications or follow those instructions. Well, as you said at the beginning, just having a really good provider system of care yes, doesn't sir. mean you're actually going to achieve the outcome that we all want, which mm -hmm. is healthier um, uh, patients in, mm -hmm. in the community. You know, because if they're not accepting of whatever you yeah. recommend, if they can't even access mm -hmm. the medications, then this is all for nothing, Correct. having done all that stuff. Yeah. Final question for you, doctor. Mm -hmm. As you look at all the technologies that are coming down the pipe, whether that's AI or other things, is there a technology that you're very excited about? So... <laughs> So technology-wise, you know, obviously it is where um, it is going towards, like for example, obviously um, uh, electronic health records, uh, using the optimization of the electronic health records uh, for the best clinical outcare is important. But I think the one thing that I do also, um, I'm excited at the same time, but I'm also cautious is, would that take away the human element of it? Mm, okay. That's a very important thing, right? Because so technology can streamline the workload, work processes, but we're still the same human beings, right? And then we still have the same questions, concerns. So when in our excitement, uh, if I may say over excitement, <laughs> with the ability to do things much better for the better of the patients. Don't get me wrong, this is always for the best of the patients, but we have to make sure we include the most important stakeholders, that is the patients. That's why I don't usually go and say, you know, this technology is better or this technology is not better. I always go from the patient perspective. If we have the best uh, app and the patient does not even have a smartphone to download the app, that defeats the whole point. And we had this uh, uh, remote monitoring system, and which is very good, and even the new uh, Helio app actually is going to even enhance that. So that if the patient does not have the ability to even remote monitor, so and again, so I think the technology, especially I'm talking from federally qualified health center mm -hmm. point of view, is that we have to make sure that most important stakeholder, the patient, is also included in the conversation. And we also have to pay attention from not just the organization healthcare system perspective, but also from the patient perspective. So I think that would be where we can make a true difference. You know, uh, hopefully, whatever the technology we have, we're able to provide that and extend it to the patients also in a much easier fashion. And then I think whatever the technology helps the patients to be using that technology is, in my opinion, is the best technology. 
Well, Doctor, you've shared a ton of great information with us today. Where can people go to find more information about Care STL Health? So the best place to go is uh, www.carestlhealth.org, and uh, that is our website, and that is the best place where you can get all the information about our organization, the history of our organization, the services we provide, and where our vision is, where we are looking to go forward in the future. Doctor, thank you so much for being on our program today. I really enjoyed having you on here. Thank you, Colin. I really appreciate you yeah. inviting me today. Thank you. This has been Colin Hung with Healthcare IT Today. And if you enjoyed this interview as much as I did, we'd love for you to like and subscribe. Also, head on over to healthcareittoday.com where you'll find more great content like this. I'm Colin Hung. Thanks for being here, and we'll catch you on the next video.